0: Welcome to Impact Audio. I'm Rachel Mendel. This special episode is focused on the topic of impact measurement, with insights and actionable strategies from Natalia Robertus Thai, Submittable Senior Product Marketing Manager. So without further ado, hi, Natalia. Welcome to Impact Audio.
1: Thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, how's your Friday going?
1: It's a pretty good Friday. This is the third project in a row I'm working on with our producer, Jordan Marvin, and uh, I'm wearing a tie-dye shirt. So I would say, uh, so far, so good. It's an amazing shirt.
0: (laughs) I was kind of sad when you put that sweater on because that is an amazing tie-dye shirt. Um, And since this is audio, people should know that it's rainbow colored. Yeah? Yes. I made it myself. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, so this is maybe a little more formal than our usual uh, video chat and Slack, Um, but I'm really looking forward to digging into the topic of impact measurement with you today and um, thinking about the right questions to ask, especially because I know you've done a ton of research on this topic and you've identified seven strategies for trust-based impact measurement. Um, How did you land on those?
1: So as you're aware, Rachel, because you do some of this work as well, you know, our team, we're constantly deep in this world of what we kind of call like the next generation of grant management or evolved grant management. Um, And Sam Kaplan, our VP of Social Impact here at Submittable, has kind of broken it down into three different pieces, all with the overarching principle of being grantee focused and reducing the burden on grantees. And those three pieces are... Trust-based, streamlined, and equitable grant making. So kind of using that perspective, uh, I dug into the ideas and um, you know, the leadership and the research out there, and I came up with seven principles that all speak to reducing the burden on grantees.
0: Well, I'm excited to dig into these seven principles with you. So for the
1: first one, I see that you have prioritized the work. What does that mean? Sure. So Prioritize the Work is the way that I wanted to communicate. Um, An organization funds their grantees so that they can do the work of administering their program and making a positive difference in their communities. Uh, The funding is not, you know, they don't want their grantees to spend an inordinate amount of time filling out questionnaires or jumping through hoops to come up with a specific data points, at your behest. So the idea behind Prioritize the Work is that if you keep the mission as your primary focus, that will help you determine whether in your impact measurement, you're asking useful, essential questions that are serving that mission. Uh, the way Shadi Salehi of the Trust-Based Philanthropy Project put it in conversation with you, Rachel, uh, is to take your grantee's point of view. Uh, and so I put this as a first principle because I think it's always important to begin here.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, I, I have learned so much from Shadi and her colleagues at the Trust-Based Philanthropy Project. Um, and yeah, I think we're also seeing a lot of this with um, with other funders and even submittable clients that are really putting these ideas into practice. So I, I love that first principle. Um, so for number two, you have do your part.
1: Yeah, do your part really means taking on what reporting burden yourself, that is possible and reasonable for you. So here I'll reference Fix the Form, which is a movement focused on reducing the burden on grant seekers, spearheaded by Laura Solomons and Kari Anastad. And I, I should jump in here to just um, recommend that people check out the webinar
0: um, that you helped facilitate, Natalia, with Kari Anastad and um, our VP of Social Impact, Sam Kaplan, on the topic of Fix the Form with live form assessment. It's
1: It's really amazing. So... Continues. Yes, absolutely. It was very fun. Um, so, Fix the Forms' whole idea was to identify pain points for grant seekers and helping funders. Fix those pain points to make a better experience for grant seekers worldwide. And a major pain point uh, that Fix the Form identified is requiring applicants to provide publicly available information, which if you think about it is, you know, completely ridiculous. If information's publicly available, you shouldn't have to write it into a form again and again every time you apply for a grant. Uh, so doing your part here means, you know, doing the research and taking on the task of finding anything that's available online yourself. Uh, And then to take it a step further, you know, you can think about how you can participate in the measurement work itself. So for example, this is a big trend that we're seeing is verbal check-ins. So if you're doing a verbal check-in, can you as the funder record the call and upload it to your grant management software yourself or upload your notes Uh, you may also be in a position to apply your resources to some of this work. Uh, For example, the Robert Sterling Clark Foundation in New York hires external evaluators to review recorded conversations and assess progress toward trust-building goals. So do do your part, do your research, uh, take on what tasks you can yourself, and use your resources to help you do so. I love that. I I just think
0: about you know for for example for like a really busy community organizer for at a nonprofit for them to be able to just jump on a call and do a check in rather than filling out a 500 word statement and editing and crafting and all of that
1: it just makes so much sense. So uh, tell us about the third principle. Sure. Principle number three is embrace the complexity. as I've learned again and again, and I'm sure as anyone who's tried to do impact measurement work knows as well, it's just so complex. You know, you're dealing with short-term outputs and long-term outcomes, and some consequences are intended, and some are incidental, and some can't be foreseen at all. So embracing the complexity here, I'm just meaning to remind everyone that as you're collecting impact data to resist the temptation to look for like a really neat linear story or strictly quantitative data points, um, or just in general, reducing a larger story to a single stat like impact per dollar. Uh, It also means um, that sometimes what might look like a failure is really building for the future. That's your phrase, Rachel. So let's consider an example. Imagine that you had funded a program that was trying to get a political initiative passed and that that initiative ultimately failed at the ballot box. So from one point of view, it failed. Uh, but from another point of view, You know the organization may have educated a ton of people about the issue they may have contributed to moving the overton window on what is possible for the future uh, and just really laying the groundwork for future success the next time around and they may also have learned strategies and communication and field work you know what was effective for getting their message out or for persuading people so i think that example really illustrates that a failure can contain so much success And I think that that's true for the vast majority of significant social change work. One more point about embracing the complexity. Uh, I think that it also really encompasses the concept of timing. Uh, I love to refer to a quote I heard from uh, Neil Buddy Shaw at the Yale Philanthropy Conference some time ago, which is, you risk good ideas failing when you run an impact evaluation that is too rigorous too early. Yeah, I really enjoyed that panel too.
0: I remember from from the conference and I remember my takeaway being that you know, basically exactly what you're saying that um that impact measurement is very complex and also very, um, unique to the organization. Like if you, what is the phrase? Um, if you've done impact measurement at one organization, you've done impact measurement at one organization, right? Like it's always, always very, very unique. Um, it reminds me actually, um, a quick aside when I interviewed Alnor Ibrahim, whose work I know you've spent some time with, um, he, he wrote a book called measuring social change, performance and accountability in a complex world. And I, I interviewed him about social impact strategy and I loved this analogy, which I just want to share, which is about, you know, really how important it is to think about the unique circumstance of every organization. So he gives a really great example that I love about an ambulance service. And the idea is basically, we know that um, the faster an ambulance service arrives on the scene, um, the greater chance that that someone will survive. So when we measure the impact that the ambulance service is having, we're going to think about how quickly they arrive on the scene and the quality of care they're providing. But we're we're not actually going to measure the ultimate health outcome because they only, they're only they only involved in one small piece of that, right? When they get the person to the hospital, what happens beyond that is
1: not relevant to the impact that we're measuring for the ambulance service. Absolutely. That's a really great point. And it actually kind of leads into uh, the next principle that I've got here as well. Um, certainly some overlap, but the, the next one is to think holistically.
0: Yeah, do them out of order. Why not? Cool.
1: Uh, And the idea behind that one is that, um, you know, just as in the example you just described, programs do not exist in a vacuum. And a holistic mindset can apply, you know, both to the issue you're looking to tackle, uh, you know, in that case, health outcomes, or it could, you know, be childhood hunger. uh, But it also applies to your grant-making program. Um, And there are themes to be gleaned as well as lessons to be learned across the spectrum that can help and inform related work as well as your other grantees. So I wrote a blog on the topic of measuring social impact a while ago, and I was thinking about um, when you're thinking holistically, you really need to take into account attribution. So, you know, there's your organization's activities. Uh, There could be organizations of people that you partner with. There could be activities by others uh, totally independent of your efforts, uh, but maybe with overlapping goals or maybe with, you know, contrary goals. And then there's just... You know, forces of nature, <laughs> macroeconomic, political issues, all of these things can influence outcomes. Um, and so, as I was reminded again by uh, Sam Kaplan, both the short-term and the long-term results are important to consider here. Um, and there's a difference between how is a project going and are we achieving our mission? Uh, and what's more, they can really be totally independent of each other. Absolutely.
0: Um so I see next that you have um, centering people as a principle.
1: Will you tell me more about that? Uh, this is such an important one. Uh, the ultimate beneficiaries of social impact work are always people individuals with families and friends and hopes and fears and their own stories to tell. And it's so important not to reduce a dynamic human experience to just a data point. So centering people is meant to uh, remind you to keep the human element of this work always front and center in your impact measurement. So for example, we're often seeing submittable clients asking their grantees To share the stories of the community members who are benefiting from the work, you know, to share testimonials, pictures, uh, video, audio, uh, that just makes it all the better. That really just
0: ties back to trust-based philanthropy, doesn't it? Where one of the principles is um, support beyond the check, right? So organizations can take these testimonials potentially and help some of these organizations with their own marketing, right? And help to boost them. That was something that when I talked um, with Marcella Tillett from the Brooklyn Community Foundation, she said one of the things they do to support their grantees is to collect photos, collect materials that they can then
1: use to help celebrate the work of their grantees. Absolutely. One of the tactics that I tied to an earlier principle that we discussed um, is to make sure that you're taking action. Um, so, you know, from a trust-based approach, you want to be sure to ask, like, what you can do and how you can help, just like um, Marcelo was describing they are doing at the Brooklyn Community Foundation, and then being sure to take action on that feedback and provide that support beyond the check. And it, it seems to me that, that
0: the idea of taking action and really – Uh, listening with, you know, an open heart to feedback really relates into the next principle that you talk about around humility.
1: Absolutely. Um, So number six here is to be humble. Um, And part of this work, I believe, is accepting that you might not have all the right answers, even if you've been in the industry or doing this work for a long time. Uh, for example, have you checked that what you determined to be the most important evidence of success matches with what your grantees consider them to be? Um, a great example I found that Vule gave in a piece I read recently about the concept of effectiveness is, let's say you're evaluating a mentorship program based on high school graduation rates, but what the community being served actually cares about most is that the kids are happier. So being open to the idea that your definition might not be the only definition or even the best one of success— uh, and similarly, not all of the feedback that you get is going to be positive. Uh, and you just kind of, you know, you need to make it your practice to accept that learning and, and again, building for the future is an important positive outcome for the long term. As Satanya Fair put in conversation with Sam Kaplan on this program, you can be the president of the United States, you better still be learning.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, I've heard I've
0: heard you say many times, it makes so much sense for so much of this work, Around evolving our grant making processes, it's not a one and done. It's it's a long term, ongoing, um, continual learning process. Um, and then talk
1: to us about about principle seven. Definitely. So our last one here is apply an equity lens. And you know, again, it's related to the humility point. There's so much overlap in all of these principles. But when you think about equity. Uh, It's important to consider that traditional methods of measurement are often the result of a white-dominant institution or evaluators uh, and may not reflect what is valued by those who are doing or benefiting from the work. And then, furthermore, these traditional measures and rigid requirements especially will typically favor white-led nonprofits – Uh, And then, you know, with those white-led nonprofits best able to demonstrate those traditional measures, they're going to get most of the funding, and then the cycle perpetuates itself. So when doing equity work, I like to say, remember that it's work. (laughs) So one pernicious aspect of white privilege is its invisibility oftentimes to white people. So to make progress towards equity, we need to choose to see it and to dismantle white privilege. As I heard Eric Clemens, again at the Yale Philanthropy Conference Say to really achieve equity, you need to share power, and I know Shadi uses that term as well. I believe it comes down to sharing power.
0: Thank you so much, Natalia. This was um, this was really fantastic. Um, I really have been really excited about your work, and I love that in your role at Submittable because it, it's tied to the product. You can be thinking about how these principles that you're identifying, you know, relate on the tech end and, and vice versa, you know, like how we can improve submittables tech to to better meet these these principles. So um, thank you so much for, for talking with me today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Rachel. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I would just say for anyone who's curious uh, to dive into this topic a little bit deeper, uh, there are tactics that we identified uh, that correspond with each of these principles. And if you want to watch the full webinar, you can dive into those as well.
0: I highly recommend it. It was um, one of our most well attended and engaged um, webinars that we've had in twenty twenty one, and it, it's um, it's. A- A great learning experience. So um, check it out.
1: Thanks so much, Rachel. For
0: more on impact measurement, be sure to visit the resources included in our episode notes. Thank you for joining us today. Impact Audio is edited and produced by Jordan Marvin and our crew at Submittable. Submittable is a cloud based social impact platform designed to help your team make better decisions and have a bigger impact. We'd love to partner with you to maximize social good and create lasting change through smarter technology. Find out more at submittable.com and until next time, take good care.